Welcome to the Family Church Sermon Podcast. Join us each week as we look to the Bible to seek out what it means to love God passionately and love people personally. For more information about our weekly gatherings and how you can be part of our outreach, visit jointhefamily.church. Empowers worship. We got to look first at what worship is not. And so what we see here in these verses, these verses is worship is the opposite of worship is idolatry. And so here's our first point today is we are no longer idolaters. We are no longer idolaters. Even though idolatry itself is not in these verses, these verses mention the heart and the root of idolatry. And you may ask, well, what is an idol? What is an idol, a little Buddha statue that I see in the restaurant? I go, what, what is an idol? An idol, I love the way this book that I, we've been reading with the staff, Michael Lawrence, a book called Conversion. Uh, if you're interested, we can get you a copy. But uh, he writes in this book, an idol is anything or anyone which you can't be happy or fulfilled without. Let me say that again. An idol is anything or anyone that you cannot live without being happy and fulfilled. And so ask ask yourself, what in my life can I not live without whose name is not God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, right? What in my life takes away from my relationship with the Lord? Well, that's an idol. An idol is not just a statue. An idol is anything that takes that you worship other than Christ your Lord. And and we talked about that. Andre mentioned this in our community group. Uh, well, shout out for those of y'all that came to our Sunday morning group. What a great start. I would encourage you uh, to get somebody here Sunday, 9 a.m. And if they don't like Sunday mornings, if they don't like getting up early, well, then we have an gr- adult group during the week, uh, uh, Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. And uh, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we were at our house for the first time. And we talked about Laura and I's prayer is that our house would be used as an act of worship, that people would come to know Jesus through our house. And Andre really encouraged me. He's like, man, I, I love that. I love that one. That Here's the thing. Everything that you own, everything that you do, everything that you have accomplished, all of it should be used for God and his glory and the extending of his fame to everyone else who needs to hear. So if you have a home, guess what? And you love Jesus, guess what? You're supposed to worship with your home. And what I mean by that is the lost, the poor, the oppressed. Right? Actually, actually, as in the book of Luke, you know, Jesus says when you throw a feast, don't invite your rich friends. You know, those invite those who can't repay you, the poor. Go out to the highways and the hedges. Bring everyone you can in because they need to know who they need to worship. John Piper, who's a now retired pastor up in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, he once wrote in a book called Let the Nations Be Glad, He wrote, missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Well, worship, not worship of Christ. Worship happens everywhere. We all pour ourselves out to something, but we as Christ followers are called to not pour ourselves out to self. We are called to pour ourselves out for the glory and fame of Jesus. Like Paul writes, to be poured out as a drink offering. So an idol is anything or anyone in which we cannot be happy or fulfilled without. And so Paul opens up uh, warning them to no longer be deceived with empty arguments. You see, there are false teachers, there are false false idols here in the world that will tell you, you can be happy with this. You can be fulfilled with this. 
What you really need is the right 401k. What you really need is the right car. And y'all know cars. You, you can't even afford the right car right now, right? You know, like the world tells you you need all these things. No, what you need is Jesus. Because Scripture says these empty arguments that you hear, God's wrath is coming upon them. Now, we don't like to talk about God's wrath. Well, God is not bipolar. The Old Testament, God wasn't a God of wrath. And in the New Testament, now he's a God of mercy. No, God is God. And God's wrath burns against sin. What we see here, and you read the first three chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 through 3, God created everything that was good. The only thing that wasn't good was that man was alone. But God created a helper for him. God created us all, not just for relationship in the, in the context of family or marriage, but God created us for human relationships. God created us to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill and subdue the earth. That's what we were created to do, do, do. And God said, you can worship me. You can have everything but one thing. And in Genesis chapter 3, we had to take hold of that one thing that we shouldn't have. And that's when a little word by the name of idolatry came in the world. It's reaching and grasping for something outside of God's glory and his commands. In Christ, we are no longer idolaters, but we're all prone to it. John Calvin, great theologian, once said, and I'm paraphrasing here, the human heart is a perpetual factory of idols, or the human heart is an idol factory. Without Jesus, we are going to glorify things that aren't Jesus. If you don't know this, you've never had children, right? We are born into sin. We are born self-centered. In fact, we talk about repent and be baptized, right? Follow Jesus. You've got to repent of sin, and then you follow him, and you pray, and you commit, and then you're baptized. You show your faith publicly. Well, you know what the real fruit of repentance is? It's a change. It's really a reorientation of worship. It's you are no longer worshiping self and you're no longer worshiping your own means. You're now worshiping God and he gives you the means to what he calls you to do. Amen. Romans 1, 18 and verse 25, he says, uh, Paul writes, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people by uh, let, let, me, let me say it again. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and righteousness of people but who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. We live in a world that by its unrighteousness we suppress the truth all the time. And this really kind of describes what happens in the first three chapters, actually chapter three of Genesis. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served what was created. Some other translations say they worshiped the creature, which the creature was, was created, not evil, but the creature that evil embodied, right? And so they worshiped what was created instead of the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That is the pull of the human heart apart from the power of the spirit working in us. We want to worship creation rather than the creator. Creation comes and goes. Creation doesn't last. The creator lasts. The creator has the authority over creation. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 3 and 5, it's, uh, it says, We too all, 
we too all previously walked among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and were by nature children under wrath. Some other translations say that we were children of wrath, as others who were also, but God, two best words in the Bible, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ. And even though we were dead in our trespasses, our sins, we are now saved by grace. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. Grace now allows us to worship God. Grace now allows us to be whole. John three sixteen through verse 18, the end part of verse 36 for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not give his one, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And a lot of us, we like to, I'm not us, but a lot of people in the world like to stop right there. God didn't send his son in the world to condemn it, but to save it. Jesus is love. Jesus is this. Yeah. But we forget that. God is not just a God of love. He is also, his love also shows itself in wrath, wrath against sin. So what does it say? We like to skip verse 18. Anyone who believes in him is, is not condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son. The one who believes in the son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the son will not see life. Instead, and this is what Jesus said with his very own words, instead, the wrath of God remains on him. God is, is a God of wrath against sin because otherwise he wouldn't be holy. God wouldn't be holy. And in fact, we wouldn't have an object. We wouldn't have a person to worship. If God was just like us, why would we want to worship our own self, our own filth, our own muck? No, we need something better. Every human heart knows there is something better than what we live in right now. Every human heart. That's why we search for it with drugs and sex and money and relationships and jobs and all and trips and all these other things. We search for it because we all know that we were created to worship something else. Problem is we, we, we lose sight of what that worship is. We are, we are darkness. And the only thing that can change darkness is light shining on it, right? Ah. Scripture says we are now children of light. Y'all have heard in history, you've heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls when they, when they discovered some ancient texts in the Old Testament. Well, that community was called the Qumran community. It was kind of a religious sect of, of, of Judaism at that time. And that community, they called themselves children of light because they so wanted to embody being their darkness being lit up by the glory of Yahweh the glory of God and so we are now children of light and we will worship something it's rather are you going to live in the muck of darkness or are you going to walk in the light of Christ G.K. Beale writes in his book we become what we worship I said this a couple weeks ago what people revere they resemble either for ruin or restoration what people re revere, they resemble either for ruin or restoration. What you worship 
people will know. It's going to be evident. We will have fruit of the light. It's kind of like the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. These things don't save you. The love that you have, the peace that you have, those things don't save you. But in fact, they are an outflow of what you've been saved from. They are evidence that you are saved. So the actions cannot save you, but the actions come from someone who's been saved. In fact, those actions are called worship. We are no longer idolaters. But no, this brings us to our second point. We are now worshipers. We're not, worship, we're, not, we're not worshiping ourselves. We are worshiping the King of Kings. We are worshiping the Lord of Lords. We are worshiping the Son who gave his life for you and for me. And what does Paul write? He says, don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and that's not saying that wine is evil, but what it is saying is don't be drunk with wine. Don't be consumed with wine. Don't be consumed with television. Is television evil? Not necessarily. But when it takes the place of God, it's an idol, right? Don't be consumed with food. Don't be consumed with football. Don't be consumed with even your own family. With even, you know, we can make idols of anything. How many people do you know idolize their children a little too much? Does anybody know that? Yeah. They, they, they treat their kids as if they're little gods. And you know what? In fact, to make their kids happy, they forget to worship God. They forget to gather with the church family. They forget to read their Bibles regularly. They forget to spend time in prayer and sharing their faith. But we who are worshipers of Jesus will love our families. We will love the things that God has given us to because they are not the object of our worship. God is. Don't be drunk with wine. The Ephesians, they were prone to get drunk with wine because they worshiped the God named Bacchus. Bacchus. Y'all have, heard, y'all have heard of that, right? We have a parade called Bacchus. Well, I'm going to ruin Bacchus a little bit for you. Bacchus is the god of wine and drunken orgies. that not speak to our city, you know? <laughs> the god of wine and drunken orgies. And in fact, to worship and commune with Bacchus, they had to get drunk. And they had to, in order for them to hear from their god, they had to do things. We serve a God where we don't have to do anything. He's done it for us, right? So don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are worshipers. Now, you see, in the book of Acts, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and great things happen. Well, in the book of Acts, there's a different word for filling. It's a first-time filling of the Holy Ghost. What we see here is this word for being filled with the Holy Spirit is a continual feeling. Yes, God will save you and he will give you all of him. But we now as Christians, we have to work. We read our Bibles, we gather, we pray, we share our faith. We work every day to renew our minds, to not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but to lay it all down for the one who's laid it all down for us. We do the work, right? We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's four different participles. Y'all remember that from school, that word participle, you know, modifies a, a verb. And some, we all forget when we out of school, you know, like, and so there's four participles here that modify that, that verb to be filled. And they're these, speaking to one another in 
psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks and submitting to one another. We see that we are called to speak, we're called to make music, we're called to give thanks, and we're called to submit. And those are all a result of being filled by the Holy Ghost. Did you notice that it says to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Do you notice that? It says we're supposed to speak the glory of God over other people and to one another. Y'all know we're all prone. We make every, every act of worship, and there is a, there's a personal devotion to worship. But sometimes even when we're in the church, and I'm knocking all of us because I'm guilty of it too. We close our eyes and we bow our heads, we turn the lights down low, and we forget everybody else that's around us. Bible actually tells us there's a corporate nature to worship. When we sing, we're not just singing God's glory to the throne room. We're singing God's glory over the congregation. We're singing his praise to one another. How odd and awkward. I, I get it. I, I, I've never done it. But how odd and awkward would it be to turn around and you're singing, how, what a good God. That's our, our response on what a good God you are and turn and look at the person next to you. They're going to think you're worshiping them, you know? But like, <laughs> declare God's greatness to all, everyone around us. That's what God calls us to do. We are called to speak up. Speaking, being a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that we burst in joyful praise. Like, you cannot not have joy and have the Holy Spirit in you. It means that we are poured out. We, we long for something greater and we sing and we make music and melody in our heart to the Lord. Music and worship is, is something that God has commanded to the church. It's something that God has gifted the church to do. We are called to make a joyful noise, as the Psalms say. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Book of Lamentations tells us that we are to return to the Lord. Lift up our hearts and our hands in praise, acknowledging who he is. You realize you lift hands, your body changes when you're in love with something. Or when you're looking for rescue. Y'all remember back to Hurricane Katrina and maybe recently Hurricane Ida. If someone is in need of rescue, what do they do? They reach out. Y'all remember Katrina. We had the people uh, in the Ninth Ward and other Lakeview, other parts of the city being rescued from rooftops. And what did they do when they saw the helicopter? They didn't sit down. They didn't do this. <sighs> And fall asleep. No, what'd they do? They got up. And their hands go up and they cry out for help. That's what God calls us to do as his people. We express ourselves in worship. It doesn't mean that you have to lift your hands all the time, but what it does mean is that your body begins to move. It means that you cry out and you say, God, I need you. God, let us test and examine our ways and lift up our hands in praise and in worship. In fact, the book of Psalms ends, right, that we, that every, let everyone that has breath praise the Lord. 
It talks about loud clashing cymbals. It talks about making melody with flute and harps and everything, everything that you can find, everything that you have that can give glory to God. That's what we are called to do. And we also, we are a thankful people. We give thanks. The word in the Greek for give thanks is eucharisto. Maybe you've heard of Eucharist, right? When we, one thing we do every week here as Family Church is we end our gathering with the Lord's Supper. And if you're a believer, I'd like to invite you in our time of response as you've examined yourself to come and grab the elements. And then we do it together. Because it wouldn't be communion if you didn't do it with community, right? We are commonly unified in Jesus his body and his blood that was broken for us. And we give thanks. We remember that. And lastly, we submit. We submit not only to God's glory and his worship, we submit to one another. Because God, everything God has gifted us with is for the building up of his people, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26 says, What then, brothers and sisters... Whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Everything is what? Done for what? Building up. Everything that we have is to build up other people. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And this might sound a little bit familiar. This might sound like what we just read. Maybe the Apostle Paul was trying to make a point. If it's repeated in Scripture, maybe either Jesus, if it's his words, or, or the Holy Spirit through a writer like Paul, is trying to make a point to the church, right? Is trying to make a point that we have to worship. We are worshipers. And so what we see is that Paul actually repeats about 33% of the book of Colossians and Ephesians. Possibly he was trying to make a point. He's trying to make a point to everybody. And what does it say in Colossians 3, 12 through 17? You'll see it on the screen. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly beloved, put on compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If one has a grievance against another, um, forgive just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were called to one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. In all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We are worshipers, and we worship God together as family. It says that we're supposed to submit to one another. And I would ask you today, if you don't have a church home, I would ask you today to submit to a church family. Submission is not something we like to do, but you know what? Christ talks about it a whole lot, a whole lot. And in fact, we're going to get to it next week. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, listen to your parents, right? That's preach, right? Children, shut up and listen to your parents. That's not what Paul says, but that's what I say. You know, 
The reason we are, go- and, and then slaves obey your masters. We're going to get into those verses in the next few weeks because they all modify what it means to submit to one another. In fact, the biological family is a representation, is a living act of worship to what the spiritual family of God is always called to do, which is to love one another and to submit to one another out of reverence for God the Father. Matt Chandler says that local membership is not a question, is a question of biblical obedience, not personal preference. I'd ask you today, if you don't have a church family, I'd like to invite you to join the family church. If you have a church family and you're not with your church family, I'd like to invite you to get your butt back to your church family. Like God calls us to submit to one another. God calls us to love him passionately and love others personally. Ed Stetcher says this, people are not looking for a friendly church, they're looking for friends. God has called us to be a spiritual family. It might look weird. Scott and I, we talk, Scott's been listening to like podcasts and stuff on cults lately. And I, I kind of have a weird interest in cults too, because like uh, people like to, like to find an object of worship and people do crazy things to find fulfillment. Y'all remember Heaven's Gate cult when we were, uh, I was younger, you know, y'all remember they all killed themselves because they thought aliens were going to rip them out and bring them somewhere. Like we all try to do things. We can laugh at it and find it silly and funny, but people will go to any length to find an object of worship when we know who deserves all worship. We know who deserves all place. Every other God will say, I need this from you. But the God that we worship says, I've already done it for you. All that I need you to do is to lay it all down. And I'm going to do the rest. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And he's going to lead and he's going to guide. And he's going to comfort you. So I'd like to welcome you. Like Scott, we were talking about, like, welcome to the family. Sounds weird. Sounds cultish. But maybe it's because it sounds cultish because the world has grasped onto something that's biblical and distorted it. Because what God's people are is we are called to be a family. Not a family that controls and coerces one another, but a family that lays it all down for him and that serves and loves one another. And you know what? The mission and ministry that God has for the city of New Orleans is not just about family church. We are one part of the greater organism that God has in the city of New Orleans. It's called the Church of Jesus Christ. We worship together as family. So we link arms with Celebration Church and Williams Boulevard Baptist Church and all these other really great church families in New Orleans, and we go forth as a family. But we have a mission. We know University City needs Jesus. We know Metairie, Destrehan, they need Jesus. And so God has called us to be worshipers in that community. And I'd like to invite you to be a worshiper. If We know the spirit empowers worship. And our worship is this, right? Embodies our mission to love God passionately and love people personally. I'd like to invite you to be a worshiper and to join the family. Bible says this in Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're not saved by just joining family church. You're saved by the name of the Lord. 
the name of the Lord will cause you to be passionate about being part of a church family. So I'd like to invite you to do two things today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to follow Jesus. Mike, myself, we're going to be up here at the front. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to encourage you. You know what? It's not just a prayer that saves you. It's the Spirit working in you that saves you. In fact, that's just an outward sign of the tug that you're already feeling in you. So if you, if you know that you've been worshiping yourself for far too long, you're feeling that tug right now, and the Holy Spirit is saying, come to me. Come to me. Come to me, who all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? Follow Jesus. So I'd encourage you today to follow Jesus. And if you don't have a church family, I'd like to invite you to consider being a part of our church family. You know what? There's a lot of people in this city who need a church family. That's why Michael mentioned it at the very end again. The reason you have these things on your sheet is not to just move them to the side and, and be like, all right, that's MIC. I'm going to move this little, little card to the side. Well, the cards that say join the family and have information about our church is so that we can invite other people to Jesus and to be a part of God's family. And so I'd encourage you next week, bring as many people as you can to hear the good news of Jesus. It will continually be preached. It will continually be proclaimed because we are a worshiping family that will not give up until every tribe, nation, and tongue knows the glory of God and who deserves our worship. If this is worship and this is family, let's do it together. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for bringing us here today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your greatness. God, today, if there's someone in here, Lord, who doesn't know you as Savior, who doesn't know you as the one who deserves all worship, God, I pray that they would have the boldness, God, today to respond, come and find someone and say, I need to give my heart to you, Jesus. I need to give my life to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would get them up today. Lord, you would help them to respond. Lord, there's someone in here today, you're calling to something. And maybe they feel as if the call is their own calling rather than a corporate calling. God, you've called us to submit to one another out of reverence for you. A part of our worship is our submitting to other people who aren't like us so that we can become more like you. So God, today I pray that we would respond together as family. It's in your name we worship. It's in your name we respond. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing a song of response.